from the soapily beautific hills of Encino, California, where industry and nature work hand in hand to create a better life for not all a, of us. Not even a comment today about that. No, you, you're in an awfully good mood today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. Produced by Magic Matt Allen on the Outlaw Radio Network, True Crime Uncensored. I am the legendary Burl Bear, uh, Howard Lapidus, manager to the star, executive producer of Normal People Screwed Up on Drugs Rehab. That coming. one. That one coming uh, this fall. Uh, yes, to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is. Yes, what it is. Mark C.G. Boyer, our fact checker. And the man I met at the Mid-Atlantic Mystery Conference. What year was that? It was a mystery, Burrow. Hey, Fred. Yes, sir. What year did you tell, tell the audience the exciting circumstances under which we met and almost came to blows? First of all, Fred, 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 Fred it's Howard. Real, real quick, okay? Don't call him sir. He wasn't even an enlisted man. Okay? Right, not even close. Okay, let's, let's call a space. I was in ROTC. Howard. Yes, sir. Deserves to be called sir because he is Simon Templer's stepfather. Well, that's he'll go around telling people that. <laughs> that's right. I even know what happened to Patricia Holm. How do you like that for an inside story? There you go. And the audience really cares. Yeah. Okay. Now, to explain to the audience how we met, Fred. Make sure he's we not were on at the, the Mid Atlantic. I'm, I'm wearing the shirt right now. We were at the Mid Atlantic Mystery Conference in 1995, and you were, you were uh, uh, hosting a panel. And, um, you know, just about this, that, or the other thing. I can't remember what it was. Probably and a true crime panel on brilliant things. Yes. And actually, no, I don't think it was true crime. I think it was actually novels or something. But anyway, the point is, I had read The Alienist, and I hated the ending, and I made no bones about it. And you took me to task. <laughs> Sounds that, like something I do. <laughs> you know, publicly. And uh, and we had a pretty good time. I don't remember. I don't remember the. I remember the event because my book, Man Overboard: Counterfeit Resurrection of Phil Champagne, had come out. And hey, I hey, sold hang on a second. Hang, hang on. Did you just get a plug in? Yeah, of course. You just, <laughs> you know, seriously, you just slid a plug in. Yeah. And Wait, this show's not even a half a minute old. <laughs> we haven't really even introduced our guest yet, and you've slid a plug in. That's right. I'm done. I sold 104 hardback copies in <laughs> two days. Hawking them like a vegematic salesman. <laughs> anyway, Fred uh, Fred was on the show a few months ago, but I had to bring him back because he's one of my favorites. And uh, some famous movie stars liable to play him in the movies, I just found out. Yes, uh, that's a possibility. Are you, are you on a Bluetooth, by the way, or are you speaking right into the phone? Which is it? Uh, I, I'm, I'm now speaking right into the phone. Good boy, okay. Tell us the story of how you're going to be played by a famous movie star who looks nothing like you. Looks nothing like me, and uh, he's not—he's not an American. He's an Australian. What happened was, uh, my agent was able to uh, sell the, the movie rights to Lobster Boy to Full Clip Productions, which is owned by Sam Worthington of Avatar, Avatar fame. Yeah. And there's only two roles in the book that he could play. Lobster um, Boy or you? <laughs> no, no, he, I think he's a little too big and young to play Lobster Boy, even with CGI. Uh, there's Merman the Magician, and there's me. So Sam will get his choice, which is the way it works with Sam, I, from what I'm told, when the script is done. Uh, God willing and all that stuff. You know how that goes, girl. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Howard, you, you know how that goes. A touch? Yeah. <laughs> Sam gets to do whatever he wants because 
His name's on the door. <laughs> and and I, I might add that uh, he, you know he's Australian and uh, and he paid, but he pays in American coin of the realm. And he pays on time. So as far as I'm concerned, who cares? Who cares? <laughs> who cares? He's an honorable guy. Yeah. You know, and uh, and it's it's a little bit you know exciting for about five minutes. And as we all know, when somebody options a book, you don't know what's going to happen. But uh, we're optimistic. Well, could, uh, how many Rosh Hashanahs from now? <laughs> what we'll be talking we'll be about? Talking about this. <laughs> Next year in Jerusalem, we'll be talking. <laughs> Different, ho- different holiday, but that's, that's fine. A, that's a Passover. Yeah. Yeah. We just had that. We don't want him to be passed over right, on this. How about this one? Four Jews, no waiting today. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, where was I? Well, that's Scott Fitzgerald said, when you sell a book to Hollywood, you go to the California border, and you throw the manuscript over one side, they throw a suitcase of money over the other, you drive away, and you don't look back. Who said that? I like you know that. That's Scott Fitzgerald. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Of you know what I love, though? It's like people always ask me, well, if they make it, and, and are you going to have any say in what happens? And 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 aren't you going to be upset if they don't film your book? And I go, excuse me, <laughs> excuse me. Let, let me tell you. you know, go, go ahead. No, I, it's just it's just that you know. I, I guess there's this 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 fallacy that writers just uh, you know will throw this money away because. They don't like the integrity. I have seen that people do that, though, Fred. Look. Well, <laughs> I, I tend to think, that, especially with the economics uh, of the times, that that's a little bit uh, overboard. You know what yes. I mean? And speaking of overboard. <laughs> Before we get to your book again, bro, a quick, quick story about that. A very, very close friend of mine was uh, commissioned to write a... Um, a full-length feature on the honeymooners. Okay, now I'll leave his name out, but it's easy to find. All right, so it's a, a close friend, and he's it's angsting over this because you know how do you touch a masterpiece? And, and that's really true. The original honeymooners with Jackie Gleason, amazing. Okay, but the studio wanted to do it, so they gave him an awful lot of money and said, "Go do this." And he thought about it and thought about it and calls me up and he says I've got it I've got my key into this thing I said how, how the hell are you going to get in you know how do you open and close a, a you know a movie where's the story he goes something that they never saw on the honeymooners you never saw the honeymoon so that was going to be his key into the story okay and he writes a beautiful funny script that was perfect in my in my, there was a joke two jokes on every page Paid total homage to Gleason, etc. Gets to the studio. They read it. They go, ah, you know, this is uh, good. We have a few notes. <laughs> but we were thinking, uh, we were thinking, we were thinking. And I don't know about you, but we were thinking here at the studio that, uh, you know, maybe we should take this uh, story and uh, go all African-American with it. What do you think? Huh? What do you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they did. Yes. Yeah. yeah. To the cast. But if you if you saw the original script, but but that just the, the story there is he took a shit box full of money to the bank, and uh, and I said check. Uh, so it uh, it it yeah, anything that they pay you, Fred, take it. If the check cashes, that's good. God bless you. Well, uh, as I started, I, I, I to, go ahead. We all feel that way, don't we? I mean. I mean, I just am sick and tired of the pretentiousness of writers 
you know, the big guys, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. who come back and criticize a studio or a producer, and they're, and they're cashing a check for a quarter of a million bucks. That's on day one. That's the name, Joe. That's the first, that's the first, that's the first check of four. <laughs> <laughs> Does the name Joe come to mind in recent memory? Uh, Joe? Oh, uh, no. Screenwriter who... Oh, Master, oh, oh, oh Master House. House. Oh, yeah, Master House. Master House has made a living not doing anything that gets made. That's, a lot of people do that in this town. Yeah. That's it's a, right. It's a heck of a deal. Yeah. That's right. And, I have nothing uh, being made, but I'm not being paid for it. Well, you're doing something yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> That's small consolation. Yeah. Reminds me when uh, I met with uh, Anthony Spinner, who was uh, one of the uh, producers, directors, whatever, on Return of the Saint. And he was out in the parking lot getting very stoned, and he was wearing a sweater that soaked up all the cannabis. So when he came back into the office, he just reeked of pot. Because uh, <laughs> I was outside of my car. Excuse me. And I'm going... Uh, and he, he looks over the story. And this is, again, Matt, the book is out of print. But you can still buy it, Matt Overboard. And he goes, would he mind if we made some changes in the story? Like maybe his wife's brother is a private detective, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I said, in all honesty, he doesn't care if you make him a cartoon mouse. Just write the check. <laughs> exactly. They didn't write the check, and he wasn't a cartoon mouse. Uh, Hang on, I got an idea. Yeah, <laughs> make a cartoon mouse. Yeah, uh, actually, uh, we did have we had a deal, except for the signing of the contracts with Miramax uh, and uh, Monica Johnson. Is that her name? Uh, Albert Brooks's partner. That's correct. Yeah, was uh, wanted to write it, and uh, and then September 11th happened, which was the day we were supposed to sign the contracts. <laughs> And Miramax said, anything that isn't signed, we're not doing anything until we see what shakes out. But that's show business. I was looking at your blog, Fred. Uh, Lots of stuff. Lots of stuff and updates on your cases. Last time you were on, not always, shouldn't say last time, the most recent time you were on, we were talking about Trails of Death, the true story of the National Forest serial killer Gary Hilton, who no relation to Paris, I believe. I looked it up. He isn't. Yeah. I figured you'd look it up. <laughs> but, but he's a brother of Clark Rockefeller. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody gets that? Yeah. The, <laughs> okay. uh, what's going on with this guy now? Well, um, an interesting thing happened. Um, the United States government saved the American taxpayer at least $10 million. Well, that's nice. Uh, amazing. I, I mean, that's an amazing thing. What happened was he was going to be tried in North Carolina for the murders of Irene and John Bryant this past, uh, this spring, actually. And they were asking for death initially, and um, which led to the question, how can you get, how can you be executed twice because you already <laughs> had the death in Florida? Well, that's a good question. Yeah, and uh, apparently somebody must have asked that question of Eric Holder because he would not sign off on uh, the you know the uh, the death uh, sentence, and they made a deal and they gave Gary uh, uh, life in prison, and uh, so now he is supposedly in the care of the federal government. Nobody knows for sure, and eventually they have to ship him back to Florida. Now he's under uh, 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 he's got death in Florida, he's got life in Georgia, and he's got life. From the federal government. So the real question at this point is who's going to pay for all this crap? 
who's going to pay the warehouse? I mean, we don't know the answer to any of that right now. Well, the one of the approaches that could be taken is the one that's being used by the attorneys of, of the Spokane serial killer, and that is he was sentenced to uh, multiple life sentences in one county, and then he got the death penalty in the other, and they're arguing he has to serve life in prison first because that was the first judgment against him before they can execute him. You know, you, know, you guys would know the answer to this question. You take a guy like uh, Hilton, okay? Um, yeah. And clearly, uh, uh, death, not a bad idea. And, uh, but uh, do the math for me. How much is it a year for us to house a guy? 16 like grand. How much? 16 grand. That's it? That's use it. 60, all right. Still, uh, 16 grand, somebody could use that money. I could. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I definitely could use it. Then, uh, then you get to a point where the guy gets old and sick. Who pays for that? They get horrible health care. They're more likely to die than they are to get health care in prison. Just one of the first things that's cut from the state budgets. So they just let them just yeah, die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially California. Cheaper. It's always cheaper to warehouse than it is to execute because, as you guys know, in our system, we give the, we give the person who's got the death sentence uh, every opportunity to appeal it. And I always say the same thing, which is if people don't like appeals, change it. That's all. Change it. If you don't like the system, change it. Otherwise, you got no business in complaining. I had a guy. <laughs> so, so where do you stand, Fred? On what? Uh, uh, pick, just pick a topic. Where do you stand on the death penalty? I'm against the death penalty because I think that there are worse things in life than death. And I feel that it lets these people out much too easy and I'm more fond of what they do in Texas with people who get life, where they put them in a jail cell, keep the lights on all day, and they go schizophrenic in three years. So I, I'm, I'm not a death penalty person. So, so, so what you're saying is that's a bigger deterrent. Well, I don't think there's I, any deterrent, any, no deterrent well, issues here. I don't, uh, think, there Howard, has to be. I, I don't think there is a deterrent either. I'm sorry to interrupt, but no. I, I don't think the death penalty, the only way I feel the death penalty could be a deterrent would be if we went back to public executions, which is something I'd like to see personally. Well, let me say something here, Fred. They're, they're, in England, they used to have public executions of pickpockets uh, every week, mostly children. Right. Uh, but what was happening is they never were running out of kids because the kids were doing their pickpocketing at the public executions. <laughs> Somebody knocks out a family member, Fred. How do you feel about well, this? Wait, wait, wait. Well, wait just a second. Our producer, Matt Allen's here. Hey, Fred, it's probably the best argument against the death, death penalty that I've heard uh, so far. Oh, yeah. That, yeah okay. that makes sense. It's like make the bad Bastard suffer. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The best. If you're uh, asking me about a family member. Yeah. It, 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 that's 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 like the uh, the old Dukakis question. Remember that one? Well, which one? Uh, <laughs> well, Dukakis was running for. Dukakis is a cocker, but when Dukakis was running for president, they asked him that question, and instead of saying "I want to kill the SOB," he came up with some intellectual answer and I'll, I'll answer very very honestly which is uh, if somebody were to, were to kill a family member that I was close to uh, I'd find a way to kill that person I'd call up my friend Frankie Saggio who used to be in the mob and Frankie would find a way to take care of it and then I would face whatever the responsibility was but I'd be more than happy to face that responsibility 
And more shout-outs to ex-mob members. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you're a mob member, hi. No, I find this rather fascinating, though, Fred. So, well, then, so, But, Fred, I got a question for We just had on a week or so ago, we had on the, the law enforcement officer that had to review a case where they had uh, arrested a couple guys for murder, uh, stabbed these people 117 times. This is brutal, brutal murder. And these guys, uh, one guy was on death row, the other guy got life, and he figured out these guys didn't do it. Uh, and he finally, and he fought uh, that these guys were railroaded, that they were completely innocent, and he got the guy off death row after 21 years. And so but the problem with driving these people insane and torturing them until they go schizophrenic, and then you find out, oops, they didn't do it. <laughs> Wow. You know, and then you let out uh, the schizo, schizo yeah, boy. Yeah, you know, so this is the, uh, uh, the, the thing. You have a thing on your blog about uh, what's his name uh, from Illinois that I thought was interesting. Uh, oh, the governor? Ray? Ray? No. Uh, the one who uh, did away with the death penalty? Oh, uh, uh, Governor Ryan. Yeah, yeah. T- go, let's go over that. Go, t- tell us what, what you said there. Um, I don't remember what. No, you were talking right? about uh, Mud and Abraham Lincoln. Does that ring a bell? Um, uh, well, in, in in the case of um, no, it doesn't. But that's okay. Fred, Fred do you write your blog or do you have somebody do it? <laughs> let, let, me re- it. <laughs> let me refresh your I'm memory. I'm teasing you. You know, uh, refresh my memory. Okay. I feel like I'm I'm on the stand here. You're on the stand. Do you remember where you were the night? <laughs> Uh, when uh, when Mud was was sentenced to uh, you know to Devil's Island or wherever it was, uh, right. he was sentenced to life, but they uh, reduced his sentence because there was a yellow fever outbreak and an act of heroism there. He saved uh, several lives, and so they shortened his sentence. Now you were arguing on your blog about uh, the uh, uh, governor who's now in the cosmic slammer. Right. That uh, he stopped the death penalty because he, he, there were too many innocent people being killed. Yes, and I that's see that's my that's my ultimate uh, argument against the death penalty and why I would I'm against it is because one is too many. One person executed who who is innocent is too many, and so uh, you know and there's there's probably at least a hundred in American history that have been. And so I can't support a policy like that, Just pers- and this is just personal, I can't support a policy like that when there's a possibility that an innocent man or woman might be executed. Now, right now, I'm working on a case in Florida uh, for a book where a woman is, right now, they're, they're thinking about asking for the death penalty because she killed her uh, lover of 20 years in a very violent manner. And in this case, it's Florida where, of course, they use the death penalty, but they don't execute women. So, again, my question is, why are you wasting public money on something that ain't going to happen? And, 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 I, and, and, as far, and, so, and as far as Governor Ryan is concerned, um, yes, he's in, he's in the cosmic slammer for stuff that he did. Um, I think most of it was prior to when he was governor, but the fact is, here was a Republican governor who decided to to commute the sentences of the, everybody on death row because too many innocent people were getting executed. We don't see, as you guys know, and, and, and the listeners, we don't see that kind of, of political courage anymore, which is which whichever whichever way it goes, we just don't see that anymore. And, and, you know, that is something which uh, um, makes all of us suffer, as far as I'm concerned. 
We got to take a 60 second break to let some people out of prison. We'll be right back with Fred Rosen as our special guest on True Crime Uncensored. If you own an iPhone or ride the plastic pony in front of Kroger, you are no longer tied to your computer. You are now free to roam and take Outlaw Radio with you everywhere you go. Grab an Outlaw Radio iPhone application, the smoking, drinking, interrupting, did I say interrupting? 24-hour party that you follow now follows you. Your iPhone is now the easiest way to stay connected with your friends at Outlaw Radio, like me. Change the way you listen to the radio seven days a week, now available at the iTunes App Store. Hi, I am the legendary Burl Bear. I take time out of my busy schedule of ruling the universe of contemporary broadcasting to write true crime books. My latest one, Headshot, the true story of psychopaths who commit bizarre murders. But the murders aren't the only bizarre thing. Then you have the trials. Not one, not two, three. How about appeals to the state Supreme Court? How about a real insanity? It's a circus, a big circus of a trial. And it's crazier than hell. And which is exactly where the murderers, one of them is right now, after shoving feces-filled toilet paper down his own throat. Does this sound like fiction? It's all true. Headshot by Burl Bear, available right now wherever fine inspirational books are sold. Don't find it at the Christian bookstore. Back to True Crime Uncensored with Burl Bear and Howard Lapidus. Anyone else? <laughs> Featuring Mark C.G. Boyer. How about and that, sometimes uh, Marie Mackey Esquire. Has, hasn't been here in two years. <laughs> who produces this nonsense? Produced by Magic Matthew Allen. And who produces him? Who in turn is produced by Lori Downey Jr. Glad we got that cleared up. That's correct. Well, she's been cleared up for years. Yeah. Her skin's looking pretty good. Fred Rosen. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah, you keep up on Florida. There's a case that just transpired there of a professional woman whose uh, husband or boyfriend had been horribly abusing her and her kid. Uh, she had a new baby and uh, abusing both of them. She had a uh, p- uh, concealed weapon permit, a licensed weapon. Uh, she couldn't get the kid and get the hell out of the house, and he's doing one of his violent routines. So she takes the weapon and fires it. Uh, at the ceiling. They live in a house. There's no one upstairs, right? Bang. To get his attention, to threaten him to stop the violence. Uh, for some reason, she winds up arrested, goes to court, and they say the uh, stand and uh, stand your ground doesn't apply to you in this situation because you didn't shoot him. Uh, but you have reckless endangerment for firing a weapon in your home. And the jury gave her 20 years in prison. That's Florida. <laughs> <laughs> what amazing state. Florida is, you know, people, you know, the whole thing with the stand your ground law, you brought it up and, you know, very quickly. I mean, uh, I was talking to a friend of mine at NBC News about the uh, Trayvon Martin case. And the one thing I was most interested in was what kind of injuries George Zimmerman had that they could confirm. And they did confirm that he had some lacerations on his scalp. But Zimmerman is claiming that Trayvon Martin slammed his head into the concrete a couple of times. And the last time I looked, 
you do something like that, you're supposed to wind up with a concussion. Uh, and there's no evidence of that. He was. And, uh, he was. I don't know if you saw this, but he was. Uh, he was definitely uh, diagnosed uh, with a bruised ego. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I think uh, that's, as, that's as far as we went on that one. Yeah, my prediction, by the way, on that one is yeah. uh, conviction, lesser charges. Well, yeah. that's why they they overcharged on purpose so they can encompass right. everything under it, right? And, right, and of course, the other thing is um, then the real then the real question comes in: uh, Are the feds going to try him on civil rights charges? I mean, that that's another question. When and, when does the match hit the oil in this country on that case? I mean, when well, when, 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 when do the riots start? I'm, I'm flat out serious on this. When he gets when he gets a lesser charge. I'm asking Fred, but that's okay, Mark. We, I, I love you. <laughs> hey, Mark's an American citizen. He can weigh in. Well, we Not on this show. <laughs> um, actually, I don't think the the um, the only way that we might see seriously the only way we might see a situation with riots is if. The, at the hearing that has to happen regarding a judge ruling whether the that law, the stand your ground law is in play, if the judge rules the stand your ground law is in play, and he did this under that law, and they and they just kick him, that then we're going to be in, up the creek. I really okay, but I don't think that's going to happen. I really don't think that's going to happen because I think that. You know the prosecutor; they get their they get their ducks in a row. So my feeling is that the only way that anything happens is if uh, that judge kicks it. He probably won't. And the you know the list. But I got to tell you guys, I never in my life thought that in the 21st century I must be the most naive person in the world. I never thought we would have a civil rights kind of a situation like we did in the 1960s. Oh, yeah. I thought we would pass that. So I really did. Oh, you, you really? You know, uh, I, it, yeah. it's so shocking to hear how America thinks and talks. And, I, I mean, that's something I can speak to because I'm involved in it every night and listen. And and it is shocking. Shocking. Because this this the, the racism is still at, at, at an all-time And the anti-Semitism as anti-Semitism, well. Anti-Semitism, as you you may or may not know, Fred, oh, but you know. probably do. You experience it. You're you know, it's just it's worse now than it was when I was a kid. Um, the black and white uh, hidden. It's hidden. It really is still there, but it it's is. it's hidden, and that takes it takes a Martin case to to uh, to bring it right to just like you know scratching a scab. Here it is bleeding again, and it didn't take much. It really didn't take much, you know. And both sides are guilty, by the way, because the second you know there's a case like this, it, you know, in comes Jesse Jackson and uh, and yeah. Al Sharpton in the crowd, mm. and and, and well, they are. You know, I'll, I'll go. I'll go one on one with any one of those guys at any time in any place. I'm, I'm not. I'm not worried about it, and I'm not. I, you know, I, I don't consider myself a, a racist. In fact, it, it sickens me uh, to listen to uh, to to. There was a case this week where uh, a, a a lesbian, a, a mother who happens to be a lesbian in a relationship with a woman, uh, and as unusual, the, the leader of uh, a Boy Scout troop, and everybody loved this woman, but the Boy Scouts of America found out she was a lesbian and they kicked her. Okay, that which of course forced. Every 
everybody and all the parents to talk about this w- woman that all the kids loved. Here's why they kicked her. So now, now you know, they're trying to avoid an issue. Well, here's the issue. And then I hear people calling into our show saying things like, well, we don't want anybody like that teaching our children. Like that. So when we talk about racism, uh, when we talk about uh, uh, prejudice of any kind, prejudices of any kind. Thank you, Burl. This country is loaded. So I come back to the Martin case in Florida, which is insane, by the way, with the the way they operate down there. And it is. You know that. I know that as well as anybody. Um, You know, when does the match hit the oil and where and how and who really starts it? Well, I go down there. Go ahead, Fred. I, again, I don't think the, I, I don't even think a not guilty verdict would start anything because the, because one of the things I've learned about Florida is that in in most instances the system works down there. Uh, I've done five books there. I, I know a lot of people, uh, and and from this point onward, I'll probably be concentrating on on Florida uh, to the detriment of the other forty nine states, but. I, I, they're, they're very, it, it, when, when the case actually goes to trial, I always say the same thing. They'll give you all the money in the world if you're an indigent, 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 indigent defendant to prove you're not guilty, and then they'll execute you. You know, <laughs> they're very fair about it that way. And so my feeling, again, is that unless they kick it, uh, I don't see anything happening. And may I just add one thing about Al Sharpton, please? Mm-hmm. Uh, Al Sharpton, it, it, we talk about him being a rabble-rouser, and I agree with that. He is also um, a man who has uh, libeled and slandered a man here in New York named Stephen Pagonis during the Tawana Brawley case in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, and he's never paid off the judgment. And I found it so interesting back in 2004 when Al ran for president and nobody brought that up. So well, that, I don't have to, that's what put Al, that, the, 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 the Brawley case put Al on the map. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. And, and of course, he later found out it was all made up. Oh. Of course it was. Well, not of course it was. Not it was, but uh, but we know now. I say, of course it was. But Al, without question, by the way, and and, uh, uh, he should be a spokesperson for Weight Watchers. He's doing very well. He's done very well on that. He's done very well. And one thing you can say about him is that, uh, and you know, it reminds me of the story of the woman with the ran up and wanted to hit by how long the face with a brick, (laughs) and to go ahead and do it because she's very sincere. She's not doing this out of some sort of selfish motive. She really believes in what she's doing. I mean, this guy's allowed himself to be in jail. He's, uh, you know, I mean, all sorts of, he's had death threats against him. Uh, he's very passionate on, on where he stands. I don't always agree with the guy, and I do think he does, you know, stir stuff up. But I do give him credit for, for what I think is his sincerity. You, you believe this guy's sincere? I think that he's not sincere. in it for the, for the money? Uh, how much can he be making? He's Enough. not making as much as Rush. <laughs> uh, hang on, uh, no, forget that. That Rush is a whole other topic. But the, but the, uh, he's making enough, and so uh, you know these guys are making enough money that the next day, that, that when a story breaks, they're on a plane. Oh, they're on a plane. You know they're making enough. They're, they've got a big enough expense account that moves them around pretty good, and That's and uh, you know and, and and they have every right to do that. That's not the yeah. you know I'm not going to take them uh, deprive them of their rights. They have every right to do it. But you yeah. know. Again, you know, let's let's call it for what it is. 
And I, I I agree with him in a lot of in a lot of cases. A lot of stuff, yeah. But but yeah, because uh, the half Nelsons, no one's always one thing. But don't lie to me. Yeah. Don't pretend you're something else. Just tell me who you are. Yeah. Yep. yeah. That's why I like uh, the Ku Klux Klan taking the hoods off. I like to know who hates me. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of the Klan, you notice that guy from the Klan who... Speaking uh, of the Klan. Speaking of the Klan, on the Trevor Martin case, the, uh, the, the, the guy from the Klan who, uh, who hacked the, uh, uh, the, the webpage and put up the gangster photos... <laughs> I thought that was pretty ballsy. I, I love the Klan now has a, a, a good IT department. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they, you know, they've got... Yes. One of the things I did on Facebook is I put up a link to one of the Klan's uh, new pro, new programs that they have just to see how many people liked it. Are you and? No, some people I know really liked it. Oh my from from God. the Burl Bear Friendship of Friends <laughs> yeah. over there on no, Nathan the, Wilson loved it yeah. on the Facebook over there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you remember Nathan Wilson? Anyway, tell everybody you know Facebook stock is coming out soon. <laughs> Don't buy it. Don't buy it. No. Don't no. buy it. Not now. Not, not after they went to the timeline. No, no, no. Not now. <laughs> well, I, I got to get some money to buy it, so uh, that's another. Story. I used to have... give it some time, and then uh, and then think about buying something else. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We all have the stories of the stock we should have bought. Hey, look. Uh, yeah. I could have, you know, I guarantee you, by giving that advice out over the air just now, yeah. it's going through the roof. <laughs> so if Howard said, <laughs> don't if buy said, it. said, don't buy it, look out. This thing's going uh, through the roof. That's like the guy, the guy from Federal Express who came to my office and said, Mr. Bear, you were just about our first customer. So I want to let you know we're going public. And uh, <laughs> I said, I don't, I don't buy stock. Do they offer you stock? Yeah, oh, yeah. I was. I literally was just about the very first customer of Federal Express. Where did you send your first Federal Express? I'm sorry, Fred. I know you're the guest here, but listen. That's okay. Listen I'm, to what I'm, we I'm, have going here. Where, where did you send your first Federal Express package? Uh boy, probably to Los Angeles, I believe. Well. Well, that that, is, that excites me. Yeah, uh, <laughs> doesn't take much to excite Howard, Fred. He's he's easily swayed by things. Yeah, Federal, Federal Express came up with the thing. This is one you probably don't remember because it was in place for six months. It was called Federal Express Silver. Oh. And this was a service that if uh, – this is back in the mid-'80s, early-'80s. That That's when they used sports. What's that? They used the horse. You said silver. Ohio <laughs> Silver. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. A fiery horse with the speed said, of light on the horny Ohio Silver. I said Ranger. You know what the definition of an intellectual is? What? what? Someone who could hear the William Tell Overture and not think of the Lone Ranger. <laughs> that's actually, that's funny. Thank you. No, I like, that's funny. Yeah. I got to remember that, but I won't. So, so uh, they had this uh, Federal Express Silver, and what that was is for 25 bucks, you could get a signed copy of something uh, to so anywhere in the country within two hours. Within and two back, hours? Yeah, within, but, uh, back then... That was like uh, mega speed. Oh, yeah. And uh, Well, they used the thing from the fly where they like transport no, you know, it. You know, here's what they did. They were the first guys on the block to have fax machines way before we all had them. Yeah. So they had a fax machine sitting in your local Federal Express area. They would send a truck over to pick up the document, take it to their office. They would fax it to an office close to where you <laughs> wanted to go. They had put it in a truck. They'd take it over to the, where you wanted to be. And within two hours, the guys got your, your signed copy of whatever it is. And... Uh, 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 
That's a clever idea. Six months later, everybody had fax machines, and they said, FedEx, what, Silver? <laughs> what do you say? It was a great idea yeah. at the time. It worked for six months. But, hey, that's all you needed to work for. Yep. Great idea. I, I got I to tell you something. Um, uh, the Lone Ranger actually figures into Lobster Boy. Oh, really? Really? Now, yeah. great segue, by Yeah, way. that's brilliant transition. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, in, in, on that case, it was only my second murder case, and I didn't uh, know any better. And I got involved, and I wound up coming up. Uh, I had the evidence that I knew would lead to the conviction of uh, Mary Stiles, who is the uh, who is the killer. And she was on trial for killing her husband, uh, Grady Stiles Jr., a.k.a. Lobster Boy. And um, there was a videotape, and the videotape showed it was a home, home you know, home you know, yeah, videotape. VCR. And it showed it showed Lobster Boy wrestling with his son, Lobster Boy Jr. And it was without sound. And uh, I couldn't understand why it didn't have sound. And it looked like they were just kibitzing around on the tape. Um, uh, or rather, not... Uh, my co- I'm sorry. My copy... Boy, I can't even remember my own history. My copy had sound, Okay. And, it, and you could hear the kibitzing in the background. But without sound, it looked like he was brutalizing his son. Well, at the trial, they decided to show the tape without the sound. Mm. And I walked up to the, to, the, to the prosecutor and I said, you know, the defense attorney sent me a copy with sound. And I explained to him the whole thing. And um, he said, send for it. And I sent Federal Express to get it from New York. This was back in 1994. And when I got the tape, I realized that if I turned it over to the prosecution, the woman was going to get convicted. And I didn't know what to do. And the same day, I'm sitting in my hotel room trying to figure out what to do because I knew I'd be part of the case at that point. I didn't get tenure at Hofstra University where I was teaching journalism because they said I wasn't qualified to teach it because my master's degree is in film from USC. And I, I'm sitting there saying, well, these guys are telling me I'm not qualified. I've got this tape. What do I do? And I sat there for hours, and finally I figured out that I went back to my childhood. And I went, what would the Lone Ranger do? And I knew the Lone Ranger would serve justice regardless of the consequences. So I turned the tape over to the prosecution, and that led to the conviction of the killer. What was the um, Morgan Freeman, uh, Ben Affleck movie? Gone, baby, gone. Gone, baby, gone. Where, uh, where the uh, the detective looking for the little girl finds out that the that the police kidnapped the little girl to give her a better life, and he has a choice: give the girl, you know, give the girl back to her drug-addled mother, or let the police keep let the uh, chief of police keep the child to give her a better life. And that was a fa- that was a fabulous ending. Yeah. I remember that movie very well. What would you what you know? What would you do? Great moral dilemma. Moral dilemmas make for good movies. And now a word from our announcer. <laughs> so you're sitting you're sitting in the hotel room. You got the yeah. tape. Um, what what are the consequences of your actions that are you considering? If you don't give it versus giving giving them the tape, what are your what are your thought process? My thought process was was it was. See, I was close to the family. I had interviewed all members of the family, and I knew that Grady Lobster Boy had been uh, had had been a very abusive father and husband. 
And so I knew the wife had gone through a lot of stuff. But my feeling then now is that journalists are not above the law. Nobody was asking me to, to even, even, in a, if, even if it was a situation where somebody asked for the name of an anonymous source and I wouldn't give it to them, I'm very well aware that I'm not above the law. And I also feel that the most sacrosanct thing in our society is the jury system. And, I, and so what I did was I first went to the defense attorney and I gave him a chance to refute the evidence, and then it turned, and and he wouldn't do it, and um, I knew that if I turned it over, I was not only going to be subject to ridicule by the press for getting involved. I knew that she would get convicted, and I also knew that I m- might, in some way, be putting my life in jeopardy because I was pissing off a murderer who certainly had the resources to, to kill people. She'd already done that. She'd gotten her, her, her son to get a hitman who was only 17 years old to kill her husband. So I knew that I was in a situation where there was, da- there, there was potential danger. But I again, I went back to, to my childhood, and I just said I have my job, you know, as a journalist is to get the best obtainable version of the truth, but at the same time, I feel like I have to serve justice, as corny as it sounds. And I felt that the jury deserved to hear everything. Let them make the decision. And they did. They convicted They convicted the wife in maybe 90 minutes or something like that. And uh, after the trial, I, they, sure enough, the, uh, the family made death threats against me. And uh, there was a man who she had married. She'd married Lobster Boy twice. She divorced him and then married Midget Man and then married uh, Lobster Boy. came up a little short. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's the Stern Show on a bad day. Yeah. (laughs) And I asked the cop on the case, I said, do I have to worry about any of these people coming after me? And with perfect timing, the guy turns to me and says, only the dwarf. And, um, and you know, and, and essentially, you know, it blew over, but I won't say that it was pleasant to have death threats. No, but I feel that that's, Yeah, but I feel that, you know, that's just part of the game, you know. And, you know, if, if someone had come after me, I would have taken care of them. Well, apparently, coming on this particular talk show, uh, death threats come with it. Yeah, we have had several of our guests receive death threats that if they come on the show, they're going to get killed. We've only destroyed careers, I'm happy to say. After after I outed, I found out who killed Jimmy Hoffa, I was in trouble. You thought that? Remember that, that show? Well, that, that was I had that situation live in the flesh when I was sitting in Las Vegas in the Aladdin, and uh, I made jokes about where Hoffa's body was buried. Right under your ass. Right under my ass. <laughs> exactly. I'm, sitting, I'm sitting at the yeah. Aladdin uh, Hotel, and they had uh, laid the cornerstone for the <laughs> Aladdin Theater for the Performing Arts the same uh, weekend or whatever it was that uh, Hoffa disappeared. As well, it's obvious where Hoffa's body is, and, I, you know, and I'm pontificating about this in the employee uh, you know, cafeteria or whatever. 
whatever, where the gangsters all are, and suddenly the room is deathly quiet. And the guy I'm sitting across from breaks out in the sweat. I mean, he's shaking. The sweat's pouring off of him, and he says through his clenched teeth, laugh, laugh like you're making a joke. You don't know what you're saying. I went, ha, ha, ha. He's probably buried under a home plate in Yankee Stadium, and all of a sudden, conversation picks up again in the room. The guy had a complete nervous breakdown and no longer worked It can happen. It can happen. Oh, yeah. Uh, the only death threats, the only threats I ever got was from a policeman who thought I was going to expose his corruption. But I was hoping so. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's more dangerous. Well, it's, a, sh- it's dangerous. a shame he succeeded. Yeah. I I know, but, well, hang on, Fred. What, what do you mean by that? Were you kidding well, around? Or did you, did no, you... I'm serious. Okay. I'm very serious. I mean, I, I, it's pretty simple, really. I mean, first off, if, if, if it's a police officer or anybody who carries a gun... Then you you, you, you you have to take it a little bit more seriously. Yeah, I mean, you think? Yeah. A lot yeah. of family, they got to go through whatever they got to go through to get somebody to do it. Get in a plane, come find me, and all that stuff. But a, but anybody who works in, in in law enforcement, and and of course this happens. I don't even. It's probably a very rare instance, but. Anybody who works in law enforcement who makes a threat, you have to take it very seriously. I did take it very seriously. The guy came to my house, <clears throat> came to my came to my home, knocked on the door, and I opened it up, and here is his cop and his assistant cop, and he uh, has me come outside and says, uh, "Can my drug dog sniff your car?" I said, "If he's got a license, he can drive my car." <laughs> did you say that? Yes, I did. You didn't very say. I right. did. Well, there was your first mistake. <laughs> I'm a smartass. Let me explain something to you, bro. The guy with the gun? Yeah. In charge. <laughs> well. Okay, by the way, guy with the gun? In charge. Yeah, and no big sense of humor either No, sometimes. he did not so, have a big sense of humor. And, unless the material is the first class A material. That which, was A material. No, that's no. just, no. That's, it made you laugh. For, it made me laugh. That you know, the C stuff makes me laugh. And by the way, that was a C piece. <laughs> Thank you. He was carrying a bigger piece. There you go. Uh, now that's a B piece. <laughs> and uh, he's told me... Uh, you know, he says, I see you over at so-and-so's, and he says, if I come crashing in there, I'm going to do what I have to do, which was... What'd you do? Uh, <laughs> I've told you. got a fresh pair of underwear. <laughs> and, uh, oh, he thought I was going to expose his corruption, which I didn't know about until he played his hand by doing this, and then I found out uh, what the corruption was. So, if he hadn't, and I never did expose it, except here on the air... <laughs> <laughs> which I did a couple weeks ago, but uh, uh, he eventually got in trouble. He would, there were, you know, uh, in the cop shop, even in a small town, if you've got a, a bad cop, it's hard to get rid of him. Yep. And the other cops didn't like this guy at all. I mean, they talked about him, uh, you know, about what a bad cop was, what a corrupt cop, uh, but he was still there, there for years. Hey, i got to ask you something. Fred, yeah, you know, and I, there's a you have a tie to the World Trade Center situation on a more personal level, which we we really don't have to get into, but let's suffice it to say you do, and and they're building this new building, which they announced this week is at least at this point as high as the Empire State Building, or it exceeded the higher yeah. higher than the Empire State Building. Now, help me out here. Who in their right mind is leasing an office in this building? You know. Uh, yeah, really. Uh, I don't. Honestly, I don't know. Concerns. I, I mean, you're talking to somebody who remembers when it wasn't there. Sure. And so when Me the World too. Trade Center went down, yeah. 
I looked at it more from a point of view of, uh, of obviously, of the lives that were lost and could have been lost. And so I don't know who's, who's doing that, but I'll tell you this. I'm not going close. No, no, neither am I. Uh, yeah, they can have and the I'm, be- a- I'm the king of all restaurants. They could put the best restaurant ever to have been put on this planet Earth with the best top chefs on this planet Earth, and they may want to take me up to there and, and give me a free meal, and I could order it, whatever. Not going. No. I, I, and again, I, you know, and also, you know, I, I still remember, I don't know if you guys remember the Towering Inferno with Steve yeah, McQueen. Of course. It, it was the do I save my wife or do I save my mistress? Is that that movie? <laughs> That's the one. And it, but what, what I learned from that movie was, was that... Was never getting involved with anyone, Alan? <laughs> <laughs> no, when it went, hey, voyage to the bottom of the sea. But anyway, uh. above the sixth or seventh floor or whatever the heck it is, they don't have any equipment that can go up that high. That's so right. if it's fire, you're in, a, you're in a shitload of trouble. So I sort of try to stay out of those places. I mean, I was, when I go to New York, I, I still find it necessary to stay in a room where I can see the park and then see, you know, like a lunatic. I get the, the, these rooms. Yeah, knowing full well there isn't a piece of equipment that could come up to the 44th or 50th or 60th floor and get me down. But uh, look, I, I, am I going to go and am I going to lease an office that I'm going to show up at at 9 o'clock every morning for the next five years? Uh, you know, what are my odds? Uh, this this building's going to have a target painted on it, and, and man, uh, the other thing that gets me is, uh, you, and you're probably aware of this, the firefighters and the police, for the most part, would like to take Giuliani and string him up, uh, you know, eight ways to Sunday, because they begged him repeatedly not to put the communication command center in the World Trade Center, because they already had that problem before of all communication being blocked out. They wanted to put it out from the Bronx or Brooklyn or you know someplace in a bunker, and he. Refused Right. And then, of course, when it happened, no one could talk to anybody, and many, many people died. Because when it comes to safety, bunkers first. How about that, guys? Make it real oh, like simple. That. And by the way, by the way, the bunker uh, property, bunker property is much cheaper. Bunker property is crap. You know how much is that costing? You know, go to the World Trade Center. You're paying how much a square? Come on now. Oh yeah. yeah. And, and you know, you bring up Giuliani, and people forget. Up until the time the World Trade Center was attacked, he at, the, at that point it was his last few months in office. He hated guy. He was hated. Really unpopular. He was hated. He was hated. I mean, that, let's not let's not forget that. I mean, he, he was he was hated, and more so now by the cops and the firefighters since nine eleven. They just uh, but that's show business, and show business, yep. of course, is our life. Uh, <laughs> what you, you don't like this part of the roundtable today? <laughs> Come on, now. I get, I'm getting depressed now. Why? <laughs> <laughs> no, why? Because I brought up the World Trade Center? And I wanted to talk to you. Know, look, Fred is from Brooklyn, beginning and end of story. And still a Dodger yeah, fan. Still a, I know you are. It's still yeah, a Dodger no, fan. No, 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 no. I'm no, not a Dodger. Met, you're a Mets fan. I'm a Mets fan. Dodgers moved out when when I, I didn't even... I was a kid. I don't remember any you of that. You were seven or eight or, or three or whatever you were. But, I was uh, about three, maybe. Yeah. And, and I'm, a, I'm a Mets fan, but I've also become a Yankees fan, too. But you know the Dodgers now. I got to tell you, with <laughs> Magic Johnson, the, the Magic. They, I watched an hour and a half press conference the other day. I was mesmerized by the whole thing. Must have been better than Newts. <laughs> How about that guy? Huh? Well, it's not that guy. It's, it's I watched Wolf Blitzer. 
And I mentioned, I mentioned this on why I wrote about this the other day. Buffalo Boy, by the way. In the, uh, in the old days, when you had uh, a David Brinkley or you had a Ted Koppel, uh-huh. and someone said still something that was 100% asinine, right. they go, what the hell is the matter with you? Yeah. Are you sniffing glue in the green room? That makes no sense. Now people can say things that are absolutely insane, and everyone just nods, and no one says anything. That's the, that's the topic of another hour. The belly of the beast is so big, and it needs to be fed, and the beast lets things go. You know, we don't have Cronkite. We don't have Severide. We don't have Brinkley. We don't have Huntley. Well, we do still have Ted Koppel. Uh, we still have Brian Williams, who I think is a rising star in news, and Koppel is over with uh, his broadcast now. Uh, and, and, and there are still a few broadcast journalists left. Uh, uh, Fred, yeah, you, you, you taught broadcast journalism. Uh, you know, you know it's a mess. It's a... It, it, there, go ahead. It, 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 it's, it, it, I don't have any words. I really don't. It's atrocious. <laughs> it's atrocious. It's it, atrocious it, because, it, because they're not living up to their responsibilities and these are people who are essentially immune with all the salaries that they make and the money they make um there are you know there's no reason why they can't be doing their job i don't think they ever learned their responsibilities properly Let's talk about that. You get tossed from Hofstra because of why? Because you're from USC. Let's come up with the reason. They didn't like you because you were a Jew. Come on now. (laughs) Mark, C.G. Boyer has something. Why is it, Mark? Unfortunately, I I, um, I don't know if I quite disagree, but um, it seems to me that any authority one takes is the authority that is provided by that which is underneath you. The American populace has built and tacitly authorized the journalistic environment which we live in. Yes and no, Mark. Uh, you know, I, too, broadcast, uh, professor broadcast journalism, okay? And and let me go back to the old school. Uh, I mean, sure, the audience is the audience is the audience, and the audience will tell you what they want. And basically, the audience, and, and, and yeah, I'll quote me on this, uh, has a Pretty much about an eighth grade education, okay? Right. Uh, and, that, and I could go and I could get a little deeper into the demo of what the average television news viewer is, okay? But I'm not going to. But, uh, you know, and if you look at a guy like Roger Ailes, who's manipulated Fox News into this big, huge hit, okay? And you wonder how he did it, okay? It had nothing to do. And by the way, Ailes a journalist, but he didn't... He uh, he did it by not using the tenets of journalism. He used it by building on the tenets of show business. And there's a vast, vast difference. Correct. But uh, you have, yeah, you have no, an so audience. Let Fred, uh, talk. Oh. Fred, weigh in. And I might add that one of the things I found interesting this past week is when they released a lot of the information that they found in Osama bin Laden's compound bunker, whatever the heck it was, there was evidence that, they wa- that um, his friends in, in al-Qaeda wanted him to do some more broadcasts to be released in the United States. And they actually said, uh, but don't put it on uh, Fox News because they're not objective. 
This is coming from the bad guys. Oh, yeah. Well, the bad guys aren't idiots, okay? And the second we think that they are idiots, we're going to lose. All right? They're, they know. They know how to use the American media. They're, guess what? The bad guys went to college. The bad guys, a lot of them went to college here. We taught a lot of the bad guys everything they know. Yeah. And, then and you damn right they know, and they damn right they said don't put it on Fox News because they're not objective. Of course they're not objective. Roger Ailes, no place, <laughs> says that they're really objective. He just uses it in taglines. And what's funny about the tagline is that, as you know, uh, journalism is neither fair nor balanced. Only editorials can be fair and balanced because journalism <laughs> is merely the presentation of the information. Let's, let's do an hour on, uh, on broadcast journalism next time you're here, Fred. <laughs> Oh. Seriously, I think I'd, I'd love to do that. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's you know, I'm doing a lot of. Uh, it's not. I wouldn't call it journalism. I'm doing a lot of uh, shows for investigation, discovery. Lucky, I'm paying you. Yes. You say, tell, tell him you want Burl on. If you haven't met the great Henry Schleif yet, make a point of it. Okay, he runs. Uh, dis- I will. Okay. Well, speaking of Investigation Discovery, if you're listening to the show today live, uh, tonight on uh, Scorned, they're doing an adaptation of Fatal Beauty, my book about Rhonda Glover. That's not on Investigation Discovery. You know, you got more plugs in today than Fred did. We're here here to sell his book. And his book is? Uh, What's your latest book, Uh, Trails of Death? Trails of Death, Idletown Publishing, available at a bookstore near you or Amazon.com. Or um, wherever you can. Kindle, it's Kindle, downloadable, correct? It's downloadable. Yes, yeah. Kindle, the whole deal. Good, Excellent. good. Thank you so much, Fred. It's always a pleasure. But I got to go okay, back I... and read The Alienist again. <laughs> yes. Oh, one more thing. Thank you very much. One more thing. I have a suggestion for a future guest. Oh, yes. Roger Moore. Oh, yeah. I'll see if I can get him. I know I can get his son. <laughs> we don't well, want his son. <laughs> I think he'd be great. Yeah, I'll see if I can get him. I, I, uh, we'll work on that. Thanks a lot, Fred. Thank you, guys. Take care of yourself. Be well. Be well. Good guy, Fred. Ah. You know, the Lighten Up Lounge is a hell of a place. Yes. <laughs> he is a good, he, that, that, that's a, a fun guest, and we, and we didn't. It wasn't a plug vest, yeah. other than you. Yes. <laughs> I like getting plugged.